You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Don't struggle to align your organization's cybersecurity with business risk. Get the only solution that goes beyond reacting to threats with vulnerability and risk monitoring. You need the next evolution of MDR, and only Critical Start delivers it. Critical Start doesn't just monitor and respond to threats. They put you in control by detecting suspicious activities, quickly responding to contained threats, and identifying your most critical assets and protecting them against vulnerabilities and exposures. With continuous visibility, expert guidance, and measurable risk reduction, Critical Start has redefined what it means to manage cyber risk. Demonstrate provable security maturity to your leadership while positioning your program to achieve the greatest risk reduction per dollar spent. Stop fearing risk and start managing it with Critical Start. Visit criticalstart.com and request a demo today. That's criticalstart.com. Sidewinder is an APT with possible origins in India. Mortal Kombat ransomware debuts. The Go Anywhere Zero Day was exploited in a data breach. Belarusian cyber partisans release Russian data. Betsy Carmelite from Booz Allen Hamilton shares an overview of cyber deception. Our guest is Ashley Alaka from Flashpoint with a look at the breaches and malware threat landscape and notes on Patch Tuesday. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, February 15th, 2023. Group IB this morning released a report detailing the activity of a nation-state threat actor dubbed Sidewinder. The Sidewinder APT known also by the names Rattlesnake, Hardcore Nationalist, and T-APT4, has been observed since 2012 conducting cyber espionage against governments in the Asia-Pacific region. It's believed to be headquartered in India. Group IB discovered the group's Sidewinder.Antibot.Script tool in June of last year in use against Pakistani companies. The researchers were able to piece together a list of potential targets for the group containing 61 government, military, financial, law enforcement, political, telecommunications, and media organizations in Afghanistan, Bhutan, Myanmar, Nepal, and Sri Lanka. The researchers note that there's significant overlap between what Sidewinder has been up to and the past capers for the Baby Elephant APT, and that overlaps enough for them to think that the two groups may be one and the same. Cisco Talos has been tracking an unidentified financially motivated threat actor that's using a new strain of ransomware called Mortal Kombat, as well as the Lapless Clipper malware. The threat actor is delivering both strains of malware via cryptocurrency-themed phishing emails. The Lapless Clipper is designed to monitor an infected system's clipboard for cryptocurrency wallet addresses, 
then hijack transactions by overwriting them with an address belonging to the attacker. Lapless was first observed in November 2022, while the Mortal Kombat ransomware first surfaced last month. The researchers believe Mortal Kombat belongs to the Zorist ransomware family. Bleeping Computer reports that Community Health System says it's been the victim of a data breach compromising the personal and health information of up to one million patients. The breach was won in a recent wave of attacks exploiting a zero-day vulnerability in Fortra's Go Anywhere MFT software. The provider reports no belief that there's been impact on their systems, saying in an SEC filing that there also has not been any material interruption of the company's business operations, including the delivery of patient care. The Klopp gang, which has claimed responsibility for these attacks, is generally believed to be linked to the criminal threat actor TA-505. TA-505 has been observed using Klopp ransomware in the past. Ransomware can have and is having serious effects on its victims. Smaller nations can find themselves struggling when key sectors are taken down. The Pacific Island nation of Tonga, for one, is currently grappling with a ransomware attack, the record reports. Tonga Communications Corporation, one of two telecoms companies in the Polynesian country, warned customers that they might experience slowdowns in service. TCC wrote, Ransomware attack has been confirmed to encrypt and lock access to part of TCC's system. This does not affect voice and Internet service delivery to the customers. However, it may slow down the process of connecting new customers delivering of bills, and managing customers' inquiries. We are working with security companies to mitigate the negative impact of this malware. Tonga's 171 islands are home to about 100,000 people, and they obviously depend on their telecoms. In the UK, according to Computing, Lockbit has upped the ante in its extortion of Royal Mail. The gang is now demanding £66 million, Royal Mail says that's outrageous and it won't pay. And in the U.S., the city of Oakland, California, has declared a state of emergency over its own ransomware attack. The city announced yesterday that interim city administrator G. Harold Duffy issued a local state of emergency due to the ongoing impacts of the network outages resulting from the ransomware attack that began on Wednesday, February 8th. Oakland continues to experience a network outage that has left several non-emergency systems, including phone lines within the city of Oakland, impacted or offline. The city appeals for patience and cooperation and says it's taking steps to get the help it needs to recover. Turning to the cyber phases of Russia's hybrid war against Ukraine, the Belarusian cyber partisans, dissident hacktivists opposed to both the Lukashenko regime in Belarus and to Russia's war against Ukraine, have released a 335-gigabyte dump of emails and other files obtained from Roskomnadzor's General Radio Frequency Center Division. Cybersecurity Connect reports that the hacktivists claimed credit in a Twitter thread and promised that more was to come. They stated, Do you want to know who in Roskomnadzor was preparing reports on protests in Ukraine and Kazakhstan for the leadership of the Kremlin? We publish these reports and contact info of the RKN employees in our TG channel. The data obtained from Roskomnadzor were posted to distributed denial of secrets. Roskomnadzor is the Russian Internet Governance Authority. 
It's recently been involved with working to scrub derogatory references to President Putin. The Kyiv Independent reports that the agency is using AI tools to combat memes that portray Mr. Putin in less than favorable light. Reuters describes Oculus, one of the principal systems Roskomnadzor is deploying to identify dissent and shoo away trolls. Reuters states, The Oculus system will be able to read text and recognize illegal scenes in photos and videos, analyzing more than 200,000 images per day at a rate of about three seconds per image, the Interfax News Agency reported. Patch Tuesday, of course, was observed yesterday. This month's patches saw fixes from Microsoft, Apple, SAP, Citrix, Mozilla, and Adobe, Microsoft issued patches for 77 flaws, including three zero days that were being actively exploited in the wild, bleeping computer reports. The zero days affect the Windows graphics component, Microsoft Publisher, and the Windows common log file system driver. Apple has issued an emergency patch for a vulnerability affecting iOS, iPadOS, and macOS, Tom's Guide reports. The vulnerability affects WebKit, and can lead to remote code execution on the device if the user visits a malicious web page. Apple says it's aware of a report that this issue may have been actively exploited. Adobe has fixed vulnerabilities affecting Photoshop, Illustrator, and After Effects, Security Week reports. The company stated, This update addresses critical security vulnerabilities. Successful exploitation could lead to arbitrary code execution in the context of the current user. Citrix has patched four high-severity vulnerabilities affecting Citrix workspace apps, virtual apps, and desktops, according to CISA. Mozilla has released several security patches for Firefox 110 and Firefox ESR 102.8. SAP has issued 26 fixes, including one for a vulnerability that could allow an authenticated non-admin user with local access to a server port assigned to the SAP host agent service, to submit a specially crafted web service request with an arbitrary operating system command. As always, check your systems, and as CISA would put it, update per vendor instructions. And finally, today is the last day in office of Chris Inglis, the first U.S. cyber director. It was a fitting milestone in a long and distinguished career that took him from NSA to the executive office of the president. He created and filled the new role to widespread respect and bipartisan approval. Thank you for your service, Mr. Inglis, and our best wishes for you as you embark on the next stage of your life. Coming up after the break, Betsy Carmelite from Booz Allen Hamilton shares an overview of cyber deception. Our guest is Ashley Alaka from Flashpoint with a look at the breaches and malware threat landscape. Stay with us. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. 
Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Security firm Flashpoint recently released their 2022 Breaches and Malware Threat Landscape Report, tracking the most targeted sectors and geographic areas. Ashley Alaka is an intelligence analyst at Flashpoint. So this year, our top targeted sectors that we saw were government, financial, and retail. And we described government as um, any sort of data set that might include government-issued IDs, you know, driver's license, passports, but that certainly also includes databases um, or certain data sets from government departments, local governments, foreign ministries. So consistently, those types of data sets are pretty profitable within these illicit communities. Financial and retail those are also heavily targeted uh, because of their financial information, obviously. Um, you know, credit card information, other financial data points are, you know, consistently going to be profitable for these threat actors within these illicit communities. The retail sector specifically, we see a lot of exploitation of small and medium-sized businesses because actors are targeting content management systems that they're using, certain web applications that are known to be vulnerable. Um, And from there, you can, the threat actor's hope is to scrape sensitive information like financial data. But uh, some of these accesses allow actors to actually get in there and change payment information so they can receive payments from customers. They might be able to change content on the website. So Year over year, we see these emerge as um, popular sectors uh, just because of even solely the financial payoff that they have for these actors. I see. So in in terms of uh, the geographic distribution of the folks who are being targeted here, what what are you tracking there? So the United States pretty consistently um, is the top targeted region. Uh, this It's also important to note that a lot of the communities we take a look at are English-speaking, um, or at least mm-hmm. the ones that we take a look at for this report. So that certainly could inform why the United States um, is one of the top targeted regions. Uh, we also do see 
certain chatter where um, actors prefer, especially those seeking out financial information, prefer to target um, the United States, certain parts of Europe for financial information. So it's sort of just, you know, it's somewhat informed by our collections. Um, and we also see uh, discussion as to why the United States might be of particular interest to specific actors. With tax season coming up, uh, it's always like high season for actors targeting the United States, uh, especially those that are financially motivated. So we pretty consistently see specific reasons why an actor might be interested in targeting the United States. So overall, we see the U.S. as the top, as one of the top targeted regions. Yeah. As you make your way through the data, was there anything unexpected or surprising and anything that uh, caught your eye from that point of view? You know, it's always interesting to see uh, how the language of some of these uh, advertisements and posts change. Um, from my perspective, uh, something important that I like to take a look at um, while I'm doing this report is how can I assess uh, an actor's credibility? Sort of, you know, this report is we put it out on a weekly cadence, and then obviously this it informs the annual report, but we like to try to do as best as we can a credibility assessment along with the data that we're posting about. So something interesting that I've, we've seen this year when trying to assess actors' credibility is that they'll use an intermediary. And that is becoming uh, more and more popular in these postings. So that, it, like, while it helps the actor, I guess, prove that they are credible because they're willing to use some sort of middleman service. It also helps us uh, take a look at, you know, this actor possibly is more credible because they are willing to use some sort of intermediary when facilitating a transaction. Uh, we see a lot of actors um, share telegram handles or um, tox IDs, which indicates to us that a lot of these transactions while they may be happening on certain forums or marketplaces, a lot of possibly the negotiation or maybe even the transaction itself is moving to other platforms like Telegram. Um, so it's pretty interesting to track those changes um, year over year. So it, it also helps us decide or, you know, prompts us to, to take a look at those for next year's reporting. So based on the information that you all have gathered here, what are your recommendations, you know, for the folks who are out there defending their organizations? What are the take-home lessons here? Uh, so we always uh, try to plug, you know, multi-factor authentication. Um, a lot of these data sets, you know, social engineering is, and phishing attacks are like some of the top act vectors used by actors. You know, it's kind of like low-level stuff to in initially infiltrate some sort of system. So make sure you're using some sort of multi-factor authentication. We're also taking a look at... Um, some actors, I think I had mentioned this, will, uh, some actors are kind of hesitant to say how they got their information. Some actors will freely share it. We see a decent amount of posts of actors saying that, you know, they got this data set because they were opportunistically scraping some sort of exposed storage bucket for a specific cloud service provider. So make sure that you're configuring uh, your storage objects as best as you can and not just leaving default settings, you know, actors will opportunistically target these resources to scrape this data that you might not realize is, is publicly exposed to the internet. Additionally, implementing some sort of consistent patching cycle 
is key. Actors will commonly exploit disclosed vulnerabilities, preying on the fact that their victims possibly have not yet updated their systems at all. Um, so, so getting out in front of some sort of patching cycle is really key here. That's Ashley Alaka from Flashpoint. And joining me once again is Betsy Carmelite. She's a principal at Booz Allen Hamilton. Uh, Betsy, it is always great to welcome you back to the show. I want to talk today about this whole notion of cyber deception with you. I know this is something you and your colleagues keep an eye on. Can we start off with just some basics here? When we say cyber deception, what do we mean? Yeah, thanks, Dave. So in simple terms, we are taking a page out of the malicious actors playbook to use strategies that enable faster detection and faster intelligence collection. Uh, but it is so much more. So really, it's at its core a proactive cyber defense methodology, and it puts the defender in the driver's seat. It enables defenders to lead the attacker and then gather intelligence about the adversary's tools, methods, and behaviors through a system of honeypots, lures, tripwires, and other technologies um, as you deploy them. And it's also a strategy that cyber professionals use to gain the upper hand in operations um, against attackers, ultimately decreasing dwell time. And it allows them to obtain valuable cyber threat intelligence to mitigate data loss. Well, it sounds to me like the folks who do this, you know, they benefit from getting a, a lot of... Uh a lot of data, as you say, on their potential adversaries. Are, are there other parties who benefit here from going at this this way? Yeah, that's right. I, I would say you're a good candidate to deploy cyber deception strategies if you have existing cybersecurity solutions, such as EDR tools, um, endpoint detection and response tools, um, advanced security operation centers, SOCs, and systems that require high fidelity alerting. So systems that are finely tuned in terms of alerts and have properly configured rules. Also, teams with threat intelligence capabilities that can conduct analysis, produce reports, and shape security postures um, are helpful. And so we're really looking at more mature security operations and the methodology requires a team with resources to address alerts in a timely manner. So we're looking at a recommended strategy that would probably require a dedicated team. So we might not even recommend this for a large enterprise environment if it doesn't have that team, because you need to manage the deception, right? Deception can get pretty tricky in general um, right. in, in the kinetic world, as we say. But layer on, you know, the interplay and engagement in the cyber domain, and it gets it gets really uh, tricky, and, and you need some eyes on it. What are your recommendations in terms of deployment? You know, how what are what are some of the options that folks have for for going at this? Yeah, so so a few topics here. So back to the resource need, mm. staffing a highly skilled and experienced team with those who have worked in blue team or red team environments is key. So that, that training and experience helps these teams deploy high interaction decoys and other services that will entice the threat actors. And for even a, an even stronger approach, having logging 
and alerting solutions that help the team respond to those tripwires in a timely manner will make all the difference. So really, you have to be there and know where to respond quickly to gather the intelligence. And then on the technology front, um, as I mentioned before, honeypots, breadcrumbs, lures, um, canary tokens, which are uh, resources monitored for access. So that could be like an API key or a file. Um, so once those are accessed, an alert is triggered. All of those are crucial tools to trip those uh, high-fidelity alerts to identify threat actor activity. And how do folks typically come at this? Or are we talking about... Uh you know, developing something like this in-house or, or do I engage with the vendor? Is it, is it a spectrum in between those two things? Yeah, I think there, those are the two, those are the two ways you can, we've seen this deployed. So at its core, the deception tactics work by simulating critical infrastructures, services and configurations so that you get an attacker interacting with those false IT assets. So there are commercially available products out there, or you can develop your own approach and use in-house skills. So if you're a couple of recommendations, if you're using a commercially available product, it's critically important to start with a plan that considers what comes with that product. Take time to fully know it, establish what you can do and can't do with it. And then if you're going to do an initial, an, an initial pilot, then prioritize a strategy around your high-value assets if your organization really isn't ready for a full enterprise deployment. It's really key to understand where within your environment stakeholders are comfortable using these products, because mm-hmm. if your leadership is not comfortable with a full, robust de- deception strategy, consider possibly at least seeding false administrative credentials to defend against that common threat vector. If you don't want to use a commercially available product, the deployment plan would include similar preparation around knowing what you're getting into um, and who's comfortable with it, but you'd replace the product with in-house experience and tools. And so you would develop your own servers, services, shares in a manner that would be enticing to an attacker uh, while, while still being able to alert immediately when they are triggered or, or interrogated. You'd need to deploy and manage multiple sensors to feed back to an operations center. And then finally, back to the resources, train, train and enable those network defenders to be able to respond in a timely manner. Hmm. So there's a lot to it, but uh, it seems like it's achievable for the organizations for, for whom it would be appropriate. That's right. And again, we're talking about those more sophisticated, um, highly funded, and, and probably have a lot of security investments around their security operations. Yeah. All right. Well, Betsy Carmelite, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Dave. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. 
Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. The Cyberwire podcast is a production of N2K Networks, proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. This episode was produced by Liz Irvin and senior producer Jennifer Iben. Our mixer is Trey Hester with original music by Elliot Peltzman. The show was written by John Petrick. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Hi, everybody. It's Maria Varmazas here, your host over at T-Minus Space Daily, and sometimes a guest on Hacking Humans, too. We here at N2K CyberWire work hard to bring you concise, intelligence-driven news and commentary, and we'd like to know how we're doing. Please take a few minutes to complete our audience survey and share your feedback to help us continue to grow and meet your needs. Visit cyberwire.com slash survey. That's cyberwire.com slash survey to get started. Thanks so much for your input as we reach for the stars. It means the universe to us. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the dark net, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire.